Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody. Foo followers around the world. Welcome to episode 68 of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast with your host, Ben Johnson. That is me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Before we get into it, a quick reminder that the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast is now in its sixth season. Since launching in 2016, we have spoken to many of the leading lights from the world of martial arts movies, including actors, directors, stunt performers and fight choreographers. You can check out all of our previous episodes right now via all the major podcast providers. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast and various other places. You can also listen to the show, read the latest film reviews, sign up to our newsletter, contact the show and donate to the Kung Fu Movie Guide via our website, which is kungfumovieguide.com. And if you would like to send me an email that would be greatly received, the email address is hello at kungfumovieguide.com. Okay, we have not one, not two, not three, but four people on today's show, which I think is a new record for this podcast. It's a Paper Tigers special, so without any further ado, let's get on with it. Here we go. Well, if you're really so determined to have a fight, then I'll oblige. Hello, hello, hello there, food followers around the world, wherever you are listening to this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, for streaming or for downloading this episode of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. It's episode 68 and we've got something a little bit different today. It's a show which is dedicated to the release of just one movie in particular. The film is called The Paper Tigers, and it's a very heartwarming kung fu action comedy. It centers around three former kung fu training buddies who reunite in their middle age to investigate the sudden death of their boyhood kung fu master. It's very sweet. It's a low-budget indie film, but it is also very funny as well and it's got some incredible kung fu action scenes in it courtesy of some great people like ken katigua ken is the film's action director you may recognize ken from the 2015 martial arts film unlucky stars the paper tigers also features contribution from members of the incredible martial club team that's the action performers and brothers andy lee and brian lee if you aren't aware of martial club by the way then you really should Google them. They're named after a classic Shaw Brothers film from 1981, of course. 
just some absolutely amazing stuff that uh, those guys are producing. The Paper Tigers is released in cinemas and on digital in Canada and the USA on the 7th of May. That's this Friday, courtesy of Walgo USA. Head over to walgousa.com to find a full list of all the cinemas showing the movie, and you can also find links to buy tickets. Coming up on today's episode, you will hear my conversations with the film's director, writer, and producer. That's Tran Kwok Bao. And because it's an ensemble film, we also have a conversation to share with you with the film's three leading actors. So that's Arlene Ui, Ron Yuan, and Mikhail Shannon Jenkins. So to give you a bit of a taste of the film, here is a clip from the trailer. No more challenges. Kung Fu without honor. It's just fighting. Three tigers, baby. Oh, 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 Something's not right. There was no heart attack. You think the poison fingers is real? Yeah, Gao Sao. But you don't Ching Shao. Can I just say it in English? Just, just say it in English, English, man. When the hands cross, all will be revealed. There we go. That was a little clip from the trailer to The Paper Tigers. Now, it is rare for me to do a, a full episode just on one movie, so I should lay my cards on the table here before we get into this. Bao will explain that the film has taken 10 years to get to this point, unbelievably, where we are now celebrating its release. And I have known about Bao's work and this project in particular since his short film The Challenger, which was a proof of concept, which was released in 2015. So that's six years ago now. I'll be sure to put a link to The Challenger short film in the podcast description of this show. Do check it out. It is a great little fight scene and it really shows what Bao's capable of in filming action. It features both Andy Lee from Marshall Club and Ken Katigua, both of which would later go on to work on the Paper Tigers feature film. Before it got to that point, however, Bao did launch a Kickstarter campaign in 2018 to try and raise funds to get the feature film developed and to get it in the works and there were some initial sequences that were filmed featuring the great actor Roger Ewan, brother of Ron Ewan, who you'll be hearing from in a little bit later on today's show. It was at this point that Bao and I did first start chatting just through Twitter. We were sort of helping as, as best we could using our voice and our platform to try and raise awareness of the film and in particular the Kickstarter campaign so look it has been an incredibly long journey for Bao and the rest of the team who have worked on this film 
It's been full of ups and downs over the years, which Bao will speak to in a little bit more detail during our chat. And look, if nothing else, this episode should prove just how hard it is to get an independent movie off the ground in Hollywood, not to mention an indie kung fu film, and particularly one with people of colour in the lead roles. So Bao's story of the many challenges that he faced over the last decade is quite extraordinary. So we've got that coming up on today's show. I have already reviewed The Paper Tigers. You can go to kungfumovieguide.com now to read what I had to say about the film. Needless to say, I did enjoy it very much. It is a very refreshing take on a kung fu film formula uh, with some really great performances and it's really very funny too so look i'll be sure to put a link to my full review in the description of this podcast and i'll also put a link so you can watch the full trailer there's not too much other news to update you all on this week other than to say that last time on our previous show with isaac florentine i did mention my excitement for the release of the new mortal Kombat film now I realise most of the world have probably seen the new Mortal Kombat film, I would imagine. But of course, because we are based here in the UK, we always seem to get a little bit shortchanged when it comes to the release schedules. Particularly now anyway, given that everything is still a little bit up in the air here. So anyway, we got the news that the new Mortal Kombat film will be landing here in the UK on the 6th of May. So that's this Thursday. And it will be available to watch at home via all the usual digital retailers. And one can only hope that Mortal Kombat does indeed make it onto the big screen here when cinemas do reopen on the 17th of May. That's a date that many film fans here in the UK have got ingrained in their minds right now as we eagerly anticipate the reopening of cinemas across the country and hopefully the return of some kind of normality with regards to the release schedule. I'm still trying to avoid all the spoilers out there on the internet, which is not easy, I can tell you. Uh, But anyway, the most hyped martial arts film of 2021 so far will shortly be landing with us. If you are a Mortal Kombat fan, then I will refer you on to my previous chats with two of its stars, that's Ludi Lin and Joe Taslim, and we are hopeful that we should have another one of its stars appearing on the podcast relatively soonish. I don't tend to like mentioning these things until everything is wrapped up and recorded and pretty much ready to go. But anyway, I thought I'd let you know, Foo followers, there are conversations going on in the background. Of course, if you do want to find out all the latest news about this show and the Kung Fu Movie Guide in general, then please do make sure that you follow us on social media. We are on Twitter. The name on Twitter is at KF Movie Guide. And we are also on Facebook and Instagram at Kung Fu Movie Guide. Okay, then let's get our Paper Tigers special underway. Both of these conversations that you are about to hear took place last week, last Thursday, actually, as part of a press junket day. Now, I do tend to avoid these junkets. uh, And later on, when you hear 
my conversation with the stars of the film. You'll probably understand understand why. Junkets can be quite stressful sometimes for a journalist because you are usually up against a clock and you're usually talking to someone who has been sat down all day and they're just answering the same questions over and over again. So you don't always get a great response, but also just with the nature of this show, we do tend to go into a bit more detail with our guests and usually you just don't get the time allocated as part of a press junket to do that. However, having said all of that, I do need to say a huge thank you to a few people who helped to make this possible. So Katie Joe Ash, Karen Tran Wood and Kim Gutierrez at MPRM. Thank you all so much for your help in setting this up on the day and for allocating both 30 minutes with Bao and 30 minutes with the cast as well. So a huge thank you to Katie, Karen and Kim, especially for sorting out a bit more time with everybody for this show. So in a little bit, you will hear from three of the film's leading actors. But before we throw over to that, this is how the film actually got made from the point of view of its main driving force. Here we go then. Here is my conversation with the director, writer and producer of The Paper Tigers, Tran Kwok Bao. Bao, how are you feeling right now? You're on, you're on press day. The film's coming out next week. This is a lot, long time coming. I mean, are you, what sort of emotions are you, are you feeling? Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, it's definitely surreal, you know. Yeah. You never imagined we'd be opening a film in the middle of a pandemic. But uh, that's, uh, yeah. that's uh, you know, I didn't, that's not what we had envisioned and imagined, but here we are. So that obviously is, is it makes it a little bit, um, uh, you know. Strange. Strange, yeah. At the end of the day, we just want to be in theaters or at least in a way that people can be able to see it in yeah. a wide way and let them decide. Because I think for the whole story of making the film, you know, I'm 10 years in on, on making this film, but the, you know, the, the gatekeepers and the people that, you know, the naysayers and the things that, you know, that would say, you know, about how this movie couldn't be done, et cetera. Like yeah. all that goes away now. And we finally be able to clear the table and we have, you know, everything we ask for just to tell our story. Here we are. And if people uh, can see it and enjoy it, then great. So that's all yeah. that we ask for. Well, Bao, I've got to say, I love this film. <laughs> so I oh, really, I really enjoyed wonderful. it. I've seen I've seen it a few times now. I really I really do. Um, I do like it. So first of all, congratulations, I should say, because uh, you've made a you've made a great movie here. Um, Thank you. Now, I want to say, yeah, because there's a in the credits, there's two years written down. I forget the dates specifically, but it says 2011 to 2021. So I just want to know what was (laughs) (laughs) what was happening in 2011 then? Let's go. Let's go all the way back if we if we can. Let's go all the way back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What was the initial germ of of an idea then for this movie? Yeah. Well, I appreciate the catch. I usually just put a little timestamp on all my films. So I remember a testament of when it it started and when we actually finished. So it's a. it could be either an embarrassing number. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it's out I hope there. the it's next movie is, uh, is, isn't so long. <laughs> I hope so too. Yeah. I hope so too. But yeah, I, that was the story when I first came as an idea, as a sketch, you know, we, uh, 
uh, we actually had gone to a pitch lab um, and I kind of like started that kind of got me going to start to write a page about it. And I just went in with a page at that point, but just kind of knowing that there was some interest, like kind of gave it a little bit more uh, uh, lift, you know, and so encouraged me to kind of keep writing and opening up and developing at that. But um, at the end of the day, it, uh, it really just was a story about kind of rediscovering, uh, rediscovering things that were valuable to you. And for me, uh, two things that I grew up with that I was very passionate about with martial arts and filmmaking. You know, I started uh, making films and backyard videos and amateur videos in the backyard uh, with my dance camcorder. Uh, and then it's one thing to do it as a hobby, but then to turn it to a profession is a different thing. Uh, and you start to kind of see the business side, the seedier side, the things that are not so, you know, uh, not so attractive or appealing. Uh, and you kind of, I was feeling a little burnt out. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to kind of take that emotion into uh, what it could be for a martial arts film. Like, what does that look like in the martial arts? You know, you can fall out of love uh, from martial arts too, right? You know, you could grow yeah. up and be really passionate about it, uh, but then go your separate ways. And then uh, were those things important to you? Were those real emotions that you felt? And uh, what is that process of rediscovery and, and coming back to it? So just all in a nutshell thematically is what uh, what that, mo- what that uh, was inspiring me towards to kind of like tell the story of these characters who kind of fall out of love, back in love, but ultimately it's about re- finding each other, yeah. not just martial arts, you know, finding and realizing the family that they had around them. You've even worked with Corey Ewan or your, uh, did you did you meet or you've been inspired by Corey Ewan uh, before making this? Is that is that right? You've always had an interest in, in martial arts, cinema, Hong Kong, Kung Fu movies? Yeah, I, I grew up uh, watching Hong Kong movies and that was yeah. kind of the diet, watching Hong Kong. Hong Kong and Asian movies at home because uh, it was through Chinatown rentals and then going out and seeing Spielberg and Cameron uh, in the in the big multiplexes, right? Yeah. Um, fortunately, you know, I crossed paths with Corey Yoon. He's a family friend. And at that time, you know, I was making said backyard videos, uh, really amateur stuff. But yeah. uh, he was very generous at the time and mentored me and gave me tips and tricks and talked about, you know, the career of filmmaking and just kind of set me on my way about uh, making action movies specifically and just thinking about, you know, all these bigger things, thinking about the audience. Don't just think in terms of your backyard. Make When you make a movie, whether it's big or small, think about what it means like for the world. So it's like that really just kind of like blew my mind and opened yeah. up the possibilities of what it means to film make, to make films. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and just the thinking around action, you know, he would always say, you know, um, you can't have good action without a good story. So always find a way to kind of base it and ground it with the characters, what's happening with the story and all that. Um, so that just was like, that was my film school. I never went to film school, but that was my film school, just having this masterclass with Corey. So um, that's, again, you know, a testament to this movie is just paying tribute to our teachers and our masters. Uh, so uh, I'm sure that that all swirls into, you know, the making of this film in, in, in many different ways, and you can feel that impact. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to, uh, yeah to, to that point, it was just like, the inspiration was just like having um, obviously, all in Hong Kong movies kind of like obviously very known for these genre mashups and just like a little, they, the lines aren't as clear in those films that I always really appreciate and, yeah. and love. Yeah, it's funny one minute and then there's some incredibly violent <laughs> fight scene in the back, <laughs> stunt the next. So yeah. you worked a lot as, a, as an ed- editor as well. So you're getting lots of experience producing your own short films. You landed on the idea for the story for Paper Tigers and you, was, you, you wanted to direct this and you knew this is going to be a feature film. This is going to be my, my movie. There was no 
there was no compromise there. Yeah, I, I, there were a couple of detours along the way in the sense that uh, I, I, I made, uh, you know, making movies at, at that time is like pretty DIY. You have to kind of write and direct and edit because there's no one else to direct, you know, do these other departments for you. So a big inspiration was you know, like Robert Rodriguez, Rebel Without Crew. Uh, that I think empowered uh, a lot of a lot of my generation to just grab the camera and make your movie. So there was a lot of chutzpah around that. Yeah. Um, and because of that, I have a lot of friends who were going back to Vietnam to make films, uh, and they needed editors. So just by experience, like I don't, I didn't really fancy myself as a proper editor, but I went, you know, back there and gave, uh, you know, uh, what I could and edited features out there. But I always knew this Paper Tigers was uh, as a feature that I wanted to direct. So even though I was editing more and more projects, it was like at the point you kind of have to kind of like uh, cut your ties. Uh, because people will start to see you more as an editor, right? Yeah. Um, but I took all that experience and, and brought into making this film. And, and, and so at that point, I, I always knew I was going to make the film. And it was just like, there are a lot of these things that kind of like, uh, a lot of opportunities that can kind of like take you on these side trips. And, and I, But I, these are all valuable and gave me the experience, I think, into making this film. The first sort of inklings of this was the sort of proof of concept the challenger but that so that was 2015 so even that was a few few years in the making could you explain what that experience was like to to make that short film working with uh ken and andy and 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 people like that yeah ken uh, obviously i've worked with him uh for many short films and many yeah. many projects before so we have a great working relationship uh, Andy's, you know, obviously this amazing talent on a Marshall. Incredible. Film. I'm glad we could get him for the feature version. But uh, yeah, but at that time, we needed to kind of figure out uh, proof concept. At that time, it was very uh, trendy, you know, and just trying to figure out how to prove yourself and show that you can do it. We knew we could do it, but we just need to show other people. Yeah. Um, and we tried it and we did it and it was great. And I think oh, I'm very proud of it. I, I love the piece a lot. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and then it was also like, um, you know, trying to get that into financing. That's a different ball of wax. Like, it's one thing to make it, you know, a really good short or, or, or a solid piece, uh, but it's another thing to kind of convince financiers. So, again, they kind of hit the same walls all around that. So, uh, turning to Kickstarter and crowdfunding to raise the money was kind of the, uh, the last uh, hurrah or kind of the last resort because yeah. we just were not getting the traction that we needed. Uh, that we thought we could get with the Challenger and, and whatnot. And we ended up shooting, you know, pieces of the film of the Paper Tigers, you know, two years before the main production uh, yeah. with Yoshi and uh, Peter and Guy and all that, and Roger and all the cast. Yeah. And we actually used that footage to do our Kickstarter. So nothing was traditional about this. And, and it was almost like a boyhood in a weird way, uh, the Kung Fu boyhood. Uh, but it was just a funny way of like making movies and not traditional at all. But uh, we just had to do it by hook or by crook. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're just proud of every piece that we did. Because again, it was just like at the end of the day, we just kind of like come at it 100% giving our full dedication and focus and just hope the work speaks for itself. Uh, uh, and, you know, I'm glad that we can come full circle, at least to show that the Challenger, you know, uh, at least, you know, uh, came to fruition in a long in the long run in this way by that point you were sort of cutting your teeth as you know actually directing a a, a fight scene you know that's that's a great fight scene and developing those skills where to place the camera working in the previs the fight choreography you know all that jazz you know it's a huge uh undertaking w was it a bit of, a bit of that then you're setting up the paper tigers but also you know it was a bit of a test for yourself really about uh you know try and try and film a a, a really good fight scene 
Yeah, I think it's all of the above. We had the script for the Paper Tigers done before, so I think yeah. it was also trying to figure out how to extrapolate, you know, what it means. I think we we're also playing around with that. You can see the Danny slow motion idea. We were playing around kind of yeah. the different aesthetic around that that eventually kind of ends up with the main film. So a lot of that was kind of lab work, you know, experimentation. But, you know, we just wanted to make also a solid fight scene. I think it was more that we knew what we could do. It wasn't that about us trying to figure things out. We knew what we could do. We just needed to show that other people that we could do it. Yeah. Um, I think I was just that the whole kind of the stream of stories that we just kind of believed in ourselves yeah, all the way through. And it was just kind of finding the right people who could see what we could do and, and get on board with it. You raised the finance then to get that a reel for can now that's the sequence that's still in the film isn't it the, the roger ewan stuff and the the sort of flashback sequence at the start by that point you'd made a really good short film you had footage in in the in the can as it were you had a finished script what were the sort of barriers that you were facing to try and get this into the into a feature film well, to kind of speak a little bit broadly on the business side of making films, you know, through this under $10 million space of making uh, films, and especially genre films or martial yeah. arts or acting films, you know, there are certain names that we know are kind of like leading men, you know, or leading stars uh, that kind of marquee even the space. And it's very lucrative. And, you know, you, we all know the well-known uh, people. But the problem is that our cast breakdown didn't reflect, you know, those names, like the, who we were looking for. We're not, you know, uh, Scott Adkins or Wesley's Knights or, or any of them, which are, you know, they're all amazing in their own right, but it, they weren't fits for what we were looking for for this film. You know, those were big macho guys, and clearly our guys are not machos. Yeah. But like, yeah. we were, you know, we were looking for the off-filter element. So at the end of the day, you know, the challenge around financing is casting. Um, and if you can have, obviously, a good name that can lead your and anchor your film, then you can get your movie financed fairly quickly. But by nature of the story that we're doing, that was so off kilter and then so different that, you know, it just didn't afford those possibilities for casting. So, you know, we had a lot of interest in the film, but they were like, can you change the cast of white people? And, uh, you know, you can kind of look at, you know, two different ways. It's definitely kind of a racist, prejudicial uh, system, but also it's kind of a business thing. Catch 22 It's like they don't have, we just don't have people in that space that are leading stars, but also of the type of, uh, you know, out of shape looks that we were looking for. Hmm. So uh, a lot of things kind of came together on them. Is that true then, Bao? Because I read that they wanted Bruce Willis for this film. Is that right? Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. So you, that you're can't hear, be right. You, we had <laughs> a lot of meetings. Let's put it this way: we had a lot of meetings, and a lot of names were thrown about. So it was just like, and these are the people that in, spa in this space, like I mentioned, under ten, Bruce Willis can get your movie made, right? right. Uh, so these are all like these names that these studios or the companies kind of use as a shorthand mm. you know it's like that kind of makes you go did you guys read the script and then, <laughs> like i don't think you read like, what we're trying yeah. to do but in their minds this is how you package a film and yes bruce willis was one of the names that came out there was a lot of interest in, again in making the film but with a caveat like can you change it to the cast of white because now we can we can sell it or whatever um wow. and you know i got to shout out xyz films who are great uh uh, production company and sales agents in the space, you know, but they do it right. Like they know yep. how to nurture the filmmaker's vision, but also get into the marketplace. So they are, they saw all these meetings as BS as well. So they, yeah. they were very supportive and just kind of like, Oh, don't worry about it. And they, you know, we, we, do, we weren't discouraged for long. So we were just like kind of stay the course, but they just knew that, you know, they believed in us 
Uh, and th those are the type of that uh, people that we wanted to find elsewhere to also collaborate with us. You know, you want people who understand and believe in you and not have to kind of keep saying Bruce Willis every five seconds. Yeah, <laughs> I know. How how crazy. That's literally only a few years ago, isn't it? Because you were pitching, yeah. what, five years ago? Yeah. Yeah. So that's quite and, depressing, uh, Granted, this it? was before... Yeah, granted, this was before Crazy Rich Agents or Black yeah. Panther. Yeah. Or, you know, you know, maybe those are conversation starters, but I will tell you, like, uh, my phone's not ringing. <laughs> so so yeah. at this point, like, what what does it mean to, get, like, actually make, you know, steps forward? So that's the challenge, I think, that we always have. I think every movie is going to be hard to make. You're, you're going to have a lot of no's and rejections, period, like, all across the board. But to make, you know, movies that have particular characters or color in it, makes it that much harder and yeah. there's a, you know it just puts you even further behind to be able to kind of get this across the board um yeah it's just uh i would like to say it's gotten better i would like to say that but i think it's still a little early to tell even though it's a buzzword and you know there's a lot of things are bandied about but uh the other element is that we're we have original work right it's yeah. one thing to reboot something and it's one thing to refresh or adapt with uh you know cast of color versus creating something from scratch with cast of color this is the other thing you know when the studios are offering you know the type of money just to get them your movie made you could understand if some directors just say you know fair enough and then they they compromise their vision but then the film gets made. Do you, do you see what I mean? I guess you can't you can't really blame a filmmaker to necessarily going down that route, can you? I suppose this is a challenge. So I'm pretty laissez-faire about you know how other people do their business because yeah. I think it's just so hard. Like to your point, it is really really hard to make a movie. Period. Yeah. And you're going to have to make decisions whether it's right or wrong. Uh, but you basically you know have to live with the decision. So if you can do something and you're okay with that, then I think it's more power to you. But if it's something that you just feel like off or wrong, like I guess for me, I, my BS meter is just too strong or something. Yeah. Like it, it just would never sit right to do it. Um, you know, for another movie, if it made sense, yeah, of course, you, you know, as long as it makes sense, you know, more money is not a bad thing. It's never a bad thing, but yeah. it just needs to make sense and you have some type of creative control. Um, and that's always a challenge, especially for, uh, people of color in the industry or minority actors and stuff like that. That's always a challenge because we have this, uh, say, for example, for actors of color, you know, do you take a job that maybe is a more stereotypical or, mm -hmm. you know, something that's not exactly a uh, um, positive portrayal of your people uh, or do you, do you refuse the job? And I think it's a tough decision because sometimes you do have to put food on your table. You got to work. After. Yeah. You got to work. So yeah. I'm very, I'm understanding around that because it's just, and it's unfortunate that we're putting to that situation and that mm -hmm. we have to or pit against each other and have to make these decisions against each other about that. But to me, at the end of the day, you know, can you live with it? Uh, are you okay with it? Do you feel like that's the, the thing that you want to be known for? And if you, if it is, then, then go for it. <laughs> Dragon Fest. Just on the crowdfunding, the Kickstarter thing, I mean, you know, that's sort of a full-time job in itself, isn't it? Because you've constantly got to be, you know, on at people. Did you have a figure in, in mind that you needed then and um, you thought crowdsourcing would be a, you know, that would be a good route to, to, to go? Well, crowdsourcing wasn't, when we did Kickstarter, it wasn't our full sum of money because it yeah. would just been impossible to raise the whole 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 budget yeah. uh, but we what wanted was to the budget out of interest uh it came in around the range of a million 
Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, and then the, the Kickstarter obviously is about a tenth of that. So uh, yeah. we needed to kind of like find something that was in range that we could do uh, realistically in Kickstarter, but also make make a splash. To be honest, because it is part of a a way of getting people to know about your project. And there's yeah. a lot of Kickstarters that kind of do it around the thirty forty or just cover post. You know, which is uh, if you are a smart person, you would do that. But we did <laughs> we did the other thing that yeah. we needed some money, a lot of money to make a movie that didn't exist. Right. You know, yeah. so it's like uh, that was the that was finding the sweet spot because uh, Kickstarter uh, is a very, very stressful, very challenging experience. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done it, but it's it is it's harder than making the movie. I, I will be honest to say that making the movie is like it's a stress that we know and it's a stress that we embrace. But like Kickstarter is a whole different thing. And you're you're really out there. Your just neck is out on the line publicly. And, you know, if you don't hit your target number you don't get it so it's a very public death if you were not to get <laughs> yeah. your get your goal and then it's in a lot of ways it's a project killer because then that also shows that you know your movie is you know it yeah. went it, it went to market and you know no one bit so that that was the other risk you know in terms of putting it out there like that so what has motivated you and kept you going for for 10 years just 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 belief in the in the project in the script what got me through is just, I guess, sheer stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was a bit of like, uh, it's a bit of attrition because uh, it's one thing to kind of like talk about it and then like a finance behind the scenes. And, and if it doesn't happen, then, it, then it's fine. You can move on to the next project. But I think the fact that we were so public that we put everything out there, uh, we put the challenge here, we put the Kickstarter out. We just had like everything that was out there. And if, it, if we just stopped making the movie, you know, our Kickstarter backers would come 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 looking for us or whatever yeah. it was just it was at a point it's just like it became inevitable uh i'd like to say it was all sheer willpower but in a lot of ways it was just inevitable in the sense that the 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 the, the, the rock was building up and and building up steam in such a way that we just had to make it there was just no other option that was august 2019 you filmed did you how many days did you did you get yeah, so keep in mind, we shot that beginning portion, the prologue yeah. with Yoshi and Guy, uh, Peter and Guy and Roger two year, about two years before that. Yeah. Uh, so that was about five days. And then we, we got to the bigger portion. That was about 28 days. So all in all, it was about 35 days of shooting. Okay, that's not too bad, is it? You, you, you hear of indie films that are turning, you know, and even indie action films, you know, in like 20 days, some of them. Yeah, and that's always the challenge. I think also like, finding that what is that bare minimum because for action you do have to spend some some money even just safety around stunts and just coordination like there's a bare minimum that you have to do but with indie filmmaking obviously your financing goals like uh you'll always you always have to ask yourself is this the bare minimum that i could spend i need to spend to make this movie and there is like you can tighten your belt only so much right you have to still give it a polish you want to give it the look you want to give the action team the things that they need to succeed uh so if you if you uh skimp, skimp too much on the budget you know i think a lot of things suffer and in a lot of ways it falls apart at a certain point it doesn't just suffer it like everything just doesn't work anymore and we should say the film does have quite a few extended fight scenes you've got that wonderful sequence in the swimming pool with the martial club boys and then you've got this great comedic fight with matthew page who's wonderful in this film master ken and then obviously the big fight with elaine at the at the end there so that was imperative for you was it then bow to make sure you you nail those those fight scenes 
yeah, I mean, if you're going to say you're making a kung fu movie, you know, everyone's going to yeah. be uh, expecting a lot. So it definitely kind of put our necks out on, on that part. Uh, it was, a, you know, obviously the benefit of, um, I guess the benefit of taking 10 years to make a movie is that you get 10 years to talk about making it. Yeah. <laughs> and so Ken Kitagua, our action director, and I, we would spend so much time just talking and riffing and looking at stuff throughout the years and just being inspired by different things. So it was a lot of like that brainstorming, you know, development work that we had going into it. Um, and it's funny, you know, once you get the money and finance and green light to make the movie, it, it's like, go, go, go. And actually, you know, we didn't have much time in actual pre-production. Uh, you know, actors came on maybe three to four weeks before the shoot and the training was super condensed and, you know, hyper-focused. But just the fact that we had spent so much time doing our homework, yeah. I like to think kind of got us through that a little bit more efficiently. Uh, we obviously, we, we always want more time, but, you know, at the end of the day, we just had to deal with what we have. Um, so Ken's and, and approach and I, Ken and I's approach to it was just like we were always on the same page in terms of the action uh, is that it was always a little off kilter. It's like we called it like uh, it's Shaw Brothers in a street fight. You know, yeah. it's sloppy. It's messy. It's but it does have kung fu shapes. There's a couple flavors here and there. But, you know, they're tripping, they're slipping and it's not always as clean as we like it to be. And that's what we want. So there's a lot of deprogramming uh, from our point of view, because when we make action movies, you know, you, especially with Corey, it's like, you know, go for the beauty, go for, you know, what is like that, that the Hong Kong cinema is like so precise and so pristine about it. But in a lot of ways, our characters were about not that, you know, yeah. deconstructing that, breaking that down and taking the take where it's not the best looking kick, but take the other take where it's a sloppier kick, you yeah. know, and being able to kind of like uh, go down that. And it's, you know, that's kind of a new territory for all of us, but that was what we uh, what we had to kind of keep going to make it truthful for the characters. Yeah. But that's what it works, because that's the journey of the characters, because they're not, they're middle-aged guys by this point. They're not supposed to be, you know, very good. I know Mikhail's exactly. character's completely forgotten all of his kung fu training. So, you know, there's, um, and there's comedy in that, but obviously, you know, that's part of their character. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that's like, if you get it, you get it. Uh, and we, again, with the Bruce Willis, you'd think it's obvious, but it's not. So we would often, uh, we'd have these conversations with a lot of martial arts actors that we, you know, had considered for the role of Danny. Uh, but you know, a lot of them didn't get it. They're like, Dan but Danny loses his fight. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Like they didn't see themselves as losing the fight. I was like, yeah. okay, well, Again, if you get it, you get it. But if you're stuck on, you know, but the hero always wins or I'm a, I'm the star of movies. I will always win my fights, you know, and then you're, you're just not quite, you know, on the same page with us. So at the end, end of the day, it's, it's, it's interesting uh, when it's uh, we think it's obvious, but it's not so obvious. Yeah, yeah. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. 
Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You bastard. Come on, then. You had your premiere at Fantasia August 2020, so that was right in the midst of... Um, COVID. So were you a little bit sort of put out that you didn't get a big, you know, the big sort of red carpet treatment and canapes and drinks and all that sort of stuff, just to, just to celebrate, you know, a 10 year journey that that would have been quite, quite nice, wouldn't it? I, I suppose, Bell. Oh, for sure. I mean, obviously, no one imagined uh, where we were. But obviously, uh, it was a surreal thing not to have it uh, to be able to see the movie, at least and enjoy the movie uh, in person and Fantasia. Uh, you know, try their best and all, all, all credit to all these film festivals that, you know, try their best to at least uh, go virtual because it is ultimately is about having community engaged with the movies. So uh, I certainly don't want to take anything away from them and, yeah. and we're thankful for that. But it was a little surreal, you know, having a Zoom Q&A of our world premiere and the actors had just seen it. You know, they were, they were so high mm-hmm. on just seeing the, the final cut. And then, like, we got kicked off our Zoom, and I was just sitting in my room in the dark alone. <laughs> like, so it's just kind of like, I was like, all right, well, champagne, you and me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah it was just like, like, it was just like, that's the experience. But also, you know, to go through the whole ex- film festival experience of being in lockdown, like, we couldn't go to Pusan. Uh, that would have been an amazing experience to share the movie with and all those things. But, uh, you know, it is what it is in terms of, you know, a lot of people have been really hit hard by. Uh, the pandemic. So uh, all things considered, you know, we we uh, we should be thankful and we are thankful for what we were able to experience. And we sold the movie, you know, we took yeah. all the boxes of a successful indie film and we have a distribution, you know, coming coming around the bend. But, you know, uh, for me, artistically, it does not feel real until we see this with a crowd. So that's what we're most hyped about and excited yeah. about. So. There will be a limited theatre run, I'm guessing, dep- COVID dependent, I guess. But um, will you? Are you planning a big, you know, screening? You get all the cast together eventually when we're allowed. Yeah, to? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We do have a we have a limited theatre run here in the U.S. Uh, we'll be screening around. Looks like all told, 50 theaters for our opening weekend. Hopefully, right. you know, we can expand and, and build on that. But yeah, anything that we get in our hometown here in Seattle and LA, uh, we are planning some appearances and, and having a, at least some screening opportunities. There's also drive-ins uh, that are also lined up. So those are all, you know, we're trying to all get creative to be all around. And internationally, you know, UK, well, it's TBD. We, we're trying to sell the movie and get the Absolutely. distributor. So yeah. uh, if you know someone, pull some strings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can have a word. So, Bal, what's, what's next? I mean, has this put you off <laughs> doing another uh martial arts film or i know you do you've done other genres as well but um uh you know what's what's sort of next for you yeah i'm writing i'm kind of tinkering with a couple ideas i do want to kind of keep growing and and as features uh i feel like at least at this stage i i've said what i needed to say about kung fu you know artistically um if another kung fu idea comes up i'm totally open for it but it does feel like that you know, we've just put this all on the table here with this movie and just, you know, trying to tell all the all the things that we needed to say. So uh, it's a little hard, you know, once you birth the baby, it's a little, yeah. you know, you're asking about the next child. So it's a little bit like, oh, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, I think uh, in all due time, there will be, you know, uh, a next project. And um, I'm, you know, excited to kind of keep building on what we were able to kind of start with here. And hopefully, yeah. like you're saying, it'll take much less time. The timestamp yeah. will be much shorter. <laughs> 
Well, Bao, for for a feature film debut, I think you've done a tremendous job, and I think it's it's admirable that you you haven't compromised on your story, which you know so many people probably would have. I wish you every success with it. Good luck with the um, with the release. Thank you. Cheers, Ben. And again, thank you so much for all your coverage up to now. It's been yeah, incredible. No worries. We did it together. We did it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's nice to finally you know finally chat to you. So that's uh, yeah, that's great. Likewise. Cheers. Who are you? A man not scared of death. Right. Well, we'll see. Kill! <laughs> Trang Quoc Bao there, the director, writer and producer of The Paper Tigers. Really great to finally chat to Bao. We've been sort of text corresponding for a number of years now, so that was really nice too finally chat properly you can keep up to date with all the latest news from bow on social media he is on twitter and instagram his name on both of those accounts is at underscore tranquok bow he is also on facebook and vimeo under tranquok bow and if you do want to find out more information about bow and his work then he does have a website the website is pov films.com Okay then, I was also lucky enough to spend some time chatting to the stars of The Paper Tigers. Each of them are very well-known actors and filmmakers in their own right. They are Arlene Oui. Arlene plays Danny in the film. He has worked on a lot of TV over the years, including roles in Season 2 of True Detective and the new Marvel series, Halstrom. That is available now on the Hulu streaming platform. You will also hear from martial arts film legend Ron Yuan. Ron plays Hing in the film and his numerous roles in action and martial arts cinema in particular stretch all the way back to the early 90s and are too numerous to mention. He works across Hollywood and China and more recently Ron has been focusing on directing and Mikhail Shannon Jenkins rounds off the three Tigers. Mikhail plays Jim in the film. Fight fans will, of course, know Mikhail from his role as Turbo in Undisputed 3. Mikhail is also a personal trainer. He's been acting in TV and film for over 20 years now, as well as working on his own projects. So each of the main cast do bring a huge wealth of knowledge and experience to the table in this film and they all have an incredible passion for the project which I think is quite clear and quite palpable I would say during this conversation so I'll throw over to that conversation now as I said earlier this was a little bit of a tricky conversation to coordinate and manage given that I was essentially on a virtual call where I had all three of their faces up on my screen all at the same time each of them being in separate locations around America and with me here in London so it was a little bit chaotic and I hope it sounds okay and it does make sense <laughs> but anyway I do hope that you enjoy listening back to this I will be back at the end of this conversation to sign off properly but before then, here we go then, here is my conversation with the stars of The Paper Tigers. That's Arlene Ui, Ron Yuan and Mikhail Shannon Jenkins. How are you? How's it all going? 
Welcome to the party. Welcome. Yes. Welcome to our party here. So I'm in the UK here. It's quite late here. But you've been doing this for solidly since uh, this morning then, have you? Yeah. 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 We've been like, partying. We've been partying yeah. since eight. Yeah. <laughs> Is it nice to get back on a call with with all you guys? Because you you filmed you made the movie a few years ago now, wasn't it? Twenty nineteen. Yeah. 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 Is it good to it's good to hang out again? I I, I'm tired of these guys. I see them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because Ron is so pretty. I mean, he he. I don't know if you you don't notice, but he's been switching hats. Every other interview, this guy's got a new outfit, and then Mikhail's switching outfits too. It's nice. it's like a it's been a fashion show. Yeah, <laughs> it's always it's, it's always good. Are you all dotted around at various different uh, places? Where are you? Where are you all based? I'm based in uh, LA, but I'm currently in New York. We're we're doing we're shooting an anti uh, hate video, anti Asian hate video. Yeah, right now. Okay. So. Okay. LA. Yeah. Yeah. LA. In Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. And LA. Yeah. LA as well. Um, good, uh, good stuff. So Ron, am I right in saying, cause you're, you're done as a co-producer on, on this movie. Were you involved before the rest of the guys? Then you've been involved for quite a while in this, this project. Uh, oh no, no, no. It was, no? um, uh, I, yeah, I wasn't like, uh, maybe a little before, Elaine and Miguel, but uh, but as far as the producers, um, uh, UG, Allen, uh, Daniel, like all the guys, there's uh, so many great guys in Bow. They've been actually trying to get this going for like six, seven years, and it's been you know a long indie long journey. Kind of, yeah, long journey, and I'm so glad that you know they started, and I'm just glad to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah. They're waiting. They're waiting. They're waiting on me, dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did you guys you all sort of auditioned around the same time then is that right uh yeah. i don't know i mean I think ron ron was attached to this yeah before I, uh, we were all i met the filmmakers through one of the producers uh yuji okamoto and um we we've been friends for over 20 some years so he ha- told me about this great script want me to meet this talented director and i was like yeah i'll give it a read and fell in love with the script it was, it was just it's like that so yeah yeah it's yeah, such a f- I, I, funny script um, yeah sorry it, it, it no i i you know we i di- i didn't have the fortune to to i'm not in the level as ron is in terms of oh. getting an offer directly <laughs> um so i had to work for this ro- role uh and convince Bao that i was right for the part uh but yeah that's a just an audition process for sure so Elaine, what was the thing then that 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 you really sort of latched onto when you first read for the role? What was it that drew you into this movie? Um, honestly, the I was hesitant at first because you know it's it's a kung fu movie, and I I a, don't know too much martial arts. I mean, I have some kind of background, but also there's a responsibility there um, to. To, that, that that filmmaker has in terms of making sure that this film isn't just a kung fu flick, and that's kind of in some ways what I was looking for. So there was some trepidation, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but the minute I read the script, the minute I started to see and investigate and ask my own questions in terms of the characters and why why are you telling this story now? Like why are these characters yeah. happening now? Um, it was really relevant to me because at the time I was going through my own personal 
um, you know, journey, uh, being, a, you know, having my parents just recently retired in 2019. And I have a, at the time, a four-year-old, you know, the character, Danny, really spoke to me um, yeah. in terms of him trying to juggle so many different things and still also dealing with his past and understanding what that is for everybody. You know, the 20-year-old, 19-year-old version of you is still there how do you deal with that now that you're a little older and, 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 and having to come back to that version of yourself? Like, can you imagine meeting yourself, you know, 20 years later? I mean, that's, that's or 25, 30 years later. That's kind of what this movie is. You're kind of yeah. faced with your, a lot of the stuff that you did and a lot of the reputation that you've built um, because of that version of yourself. And, and I think, I mean, that's a powerful, you know, situation to be in. And I, I wanted to, you know, breathe life into it and, and kind of live that out. So I was definitely privileged and, and honored to have had the opportunity to work on this film. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of fighting for you as well. I mean, for someone who hasn't done uh, <laughs> a lot of fight films, there's a lot of action in the, in the, in the movie for you. There, there was, there was. Yeah. And, and it was a welcome change for sure. Yeah. Uh, in, in terms of all the other characters I've played. Yeah, yeah. Mikhail, you've, uh, you've done a fair bit of uh, sort of on-screen fighting. In the past, yeah. Undisputed Three, huge fan of uh, of that movie. Mikhail, what drew you to to, to this film? Um, I'm 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 gonna also be a little bit honest. I, w- I read the script and I thought out loud, this could be corny as, or it could be, or it could be a classic. Yeah, I don't know any of these players. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. So, and I don't recast, I don't do all that. Oh, they got such and such. That doesn't do anything. So I don't yeah. even look it up. So we had rehearsals and I was, uh, I really wanted it to be good because I really liked what I read. But you know, I I I show up at the rehearsal and I'm a little like, because I'm, I'm the only African-American in the room at the time. Um, so I'm feeling a little, you know, nervous about the whole situation and brilliantly uh, Bao starts these improvs and these two gentlemen above me uh, kicked it off and to watch their minds work and the questions they were asking Bao and the questions he was asking them like by the time they got through with that I knew like it's in our hands yeah and, it, and and I called my wife from the same spot. I was like, this is going to be an epic classic. Yeah, yeah. And from that point on, they set the bar. I just love it when actors don't come in reading and pretending like they can't effing act when they went through all the trouble to be cast. Like, let's go to work. And they came in firing at a very high level. So I was like, immediately I already, so if you thought you was going to phone it in, none of that's happening. Like, all of this is going to be flushed out. So immediately, I became super enthusiastic about it. And to come to find out, that's just their work habit. That's who they are. So we took to the material, and then, like, it's just crazy. Um, you just get good fortune. Sometimes that's why I say never never be passing up this to do that. This, this person is doing this one, so you want to work with that. Hey, man, let me tell you something. You better let your spirit guide you. You better be careful about what you say no to because you could find yourself having let go of a jewel like Slumdog or like this one or like Friday. 
and find yourself doing some big mega shit that was like dog poopoo. So like, um, this is reaffirmed for me once again, to trust my inside gut. Like I, I felt something special about it. And then I met these cats. Not only did I experience, have a great experience as an artist, I, these are some very superior type actors on some real shit. So yeah. like books being exchanged and information, I just became a better instrument as an artist playing with these guys. Great. Ron, I, I just want to, I mean, you're a veteran of this, you know, the action world. You know, you've worked with everyone, Mark Dacascos, Michael Jai White, Buddy Jet Li, you've just worked with Donnie Yen, you know, all the legends. This story, this film, the way that Bao tells this story, I mean, I've seen a million martial arts films, but I've not seen one quite like this. That must have been appealing to you, Ron. It was. It, you are so right on the money with that. It was it was so appealing because this was a character study, you know, when, when I got the script. And that's what I loved about it. It wasn't the typical stuff. And, and, you know, like you said, you know, tons of guys from Jackie to Gary Daniels to Michael Jai to Mark to, you know, Jack to Chuck Norris. Is, and, and, and for me, like sometimes, you know, there's certain things. I, I think Donnie would do something because he recently did something, you know, Fat Dragon, you know, Enter the Fat Dragon. So where you can you can make fun of, you know, yourselves or or just, you know, poke at a slice of reality when as you get older, you just can't move like you used to. And so <laughs> so I'm feeling that now, you know, and then when I got the script and, you know, I was just like, God, this is brilliant because I haven't seen like we've seen, you know, great stuff from Stephen Chow and Hong Kong stuff. But as an Asian American film, hmm. we've never done this kind of movie. So, so for me, I, I felt, you know, the filmmakers, the producers, like they, they, they were, they had a great instinct, like, this is different. This is going to be special. And then, and, and then getting the right guys for it, like Elaine and Mikel, they were, they were perfect. I mean, just, you know, we click, that's why we click so much. I think everyone kind of sensed that this would be something unique. You know? Well, that's the key to it. Cause you are the three tigers. I mean, you guys are like brothers in arms, you know, yeah. Sir. You know, you grew up together, you trained together. When you were filming, did you meet up, you know, when you weren't working and sort of hang out and stuff? Yeah, because it's, yeah, it's vital, isn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. There wasn't a second we spent apart. Gross. Not a second. A we, second. we, yeah. We ate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we did everything Breakfast, lunch, dinner, after Breakfast, the lunch, dinner, exactly. Yeah. Shopping, shopping, you know. Oh, just, God. Yeah. Watching some movie theaters. Eating, eating, eating. <laughs> I know who you are, you bastard. Your time has come, then your son. All of you guys have worked as uh, directors as well in the past on your own projects. You've all worked to get your own uh, projects off the ground. Is it a different you know, atmosphere on set when you're making a movie like this when literally every... Every dollar really counts, doesn't it? You know, it's um, you know, it's not a, it's not a massive budget movie. So I guess that question's sort of directed at all of you because you're all filmmakers as well. So was there a real sort of can-do attitude on on set? Would you say? I'm just yeah. Gonna... I... Yeah, go ahead. ahead. Yeah. You know, the the minute you talk to the producers in terms of their story and understanding, as we mentioned during this conversation, how. Uh, diligent and how um, uh, you know uh, adamant and, and, and like how much they persevered through the journey as a producer 
of someone who you know you create your own stuff you you can't help but admire that yeah and you can't help but root for them and help be a part of it and i think that that's where it all starts really you know you could sense the enthusiasm you can sense the passion <laughs> that everybody had there no one's getting really paid in this thing it's it's just yeah. it's sweat equity in many ways right it's like mm-hmm. what can i put forth to help you guys get on your journey like I, I've used this metaphor before, but in some ways, this is a relay race, right? So Bao and, uh, and like he created the script. He was the first leg of this race. And then now we're here at the end where we're kind of given the baton to help get it across the finish line. Yeah, And that is a lot of weight and responsibility that we all have as actors to say, to look back and say, you guys ran this race as fast as you could. And I'm sure you guys are exhausted. And as filmmakers, we understand that process, right? We understand that there there is so much that has occurred even before we get on set. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a there's a it's a precious moment. It's a precious time, and you just don't want to fumble the bag, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think we owe it to each other to be like, hey, I'm carrying this as best as I can because I know how much how much, uh, you know, everything that you've been through to get to this point. Yeah. And I think like you mentioned before, all of us as filmmakers, we understand that. And, and, and how, like you said, like it, we don't have, we don't, we don't have the budget to be like, Hey, uh, well, I, I kind of yeah. don't feel good or whatever it is. Yeah. But yeah. Or, or the days, you know, there's no time for all the days, is there? Yeah. Right. You know, you've just no. got to get down and do the work. Mikhail, sorry, I talked over you there. You were, were you going to, were you going to add to that? No, I was just going to say that that's where he was lucky. You have three filmmakers who get it. Yeah. So as soon as we, soon as we signed on, we know we don't have no call times. We're not watching clocks. We're not trying to make sure meal penalties. We just want to ball out like from mm. every, for providing us with this opportunity. We know they took us to dinner and told us what they went through. Not that we weren't already locked in, yeah. but then it got really serious. I was like, okay, these guys are basically taking their lives and handing it to us to finish. So let's, mm-hmm. finish, let's finish this. I wanted to follow up on that because I just spoke to Bao and he mentioned that there was opportunities years ago. He was having studio meetings where they would have put money into this movie, but they wanted a white cast or leading with Bruce Willis or something. God knows how that, that would have worked. But... Um, <laughs> I just want to know, uh, does that give you even a bigger sort of weight of responsibility in the sense of Bao was, you know, he stuck to his vision. He stuck to stuck to his guns with this. He must be very proud, I'd imagine, to, yeah. to be part of, part of this vision. Yeah. For me, because, uh, you know, when I, I've been acting since I was a little kid, but uh, crossing over to film and TV, I came over in the 80s. So we went through a lot of that as actors and filmmakers back then, you know, as we were, you know, very 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 small roles either you're the computer math geek the takeout boy or the yakuza or chinese yeah. tribe so what would you rather be we'd rather be the bad guys because there's a little power and control and that you know hopefully that you can shape some other stuff and layers in but like answering a combination of both your questions yeah like some of for me you know some of my best times were on indie films and this is like probably one of two of you know and a lot of films like it just as far as the passion the mission and and again i applaud bow and and the producers because yeah he could have he could have sold i mean i mean i've seen a lot of friends in the past or peers 
that did sell it, you know, and, and I, you know, at first you can, you can say very, it's very easy for us to say sell out, but also people have to pay their bills. People have to pay rent, you know, and the fact that Bao and the guys stuck to their gun, you know, when they could have sold it, all they had to do was change everyone white, you know, but, but they stuck to their guns and like, you know, let's, you know, let, let the world see now that, Hey, look, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's many different cultures, many POC, there's POC leads. This is still a great piece, a funny story, yeah. you know, a heartfelt story. And um, yeah, and I just, you know, I can't say enough about plotting filmmakers on this. Yeah. But I wanted to know your experience as actors. We're hearing a lot that, as you say, opportunities for people of color are improving, uh, you know, greater representation on screen, more diversity of, uh, of roles. But then you hear a story like what Bao just said, and that, and that was only a few years ago. So it's kind of sounds a bit depressing still. But I just wanted to throw it out to you guys and just, you know, what's your what's your experience like? You know, are you noticing, you know, a shift, a, a, a change? There is there is a change. I, I think of you know as an Asian American actor, I think it could be better. I mean, look, when I came in in the eighties, and Elaine, please speak. Like you know, for me. Uh, I looked up to our black actors because for me, I remember as a kid when black actors were just thieves and criminals and all that stuff. But then you have all these heroic now images of Morgan Freeman, Denzel, Wesley, you know, all these guys. Yeah. As as far as Asian American actors, we all thought like, Hey, maybe one day, you know, we got to We got to keep fighting. It could be like that for us, you know? So, Yeah. 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 I think for me, it's, you know, it's, a t- um, you know, you look at the track record, right? Like if you look back, like Joy Luck Club was a massive hit. Mm-hmm. And at the time you're like, okay, that's representation. This is great. And there's a feeling of this anticipation of a hope, like maybe this is it. If we could prove that this could happen, then great. But nothing happened after that. Mm-hmm. And the next thing that happened after that would be like, say, Better Luck Tomorrow, which was this breakout, you know, critically acclaimed movie. Mm-hmm of young Asian, you know, I'm speaking primarily for the Asian community, but there was nothing after that as well. So sure, in this current climate, there is more opportunities for, for, for everybody. But my fear, and maybe it's because of the trauma that I've, I've, I've experienced as an actor coming up, is that mm-hmm. that's great, but is there really going to be follow through on it? And it's a, it's a very great example of what you talked about with Bao, what they were going through. Um, you know, it, it's same, same thing with Black Panther. When that came out, you're like, oh, great. This is going to pave the way. And, and what's really interesting is that, you know, even Kevin Feige and the Marvel team, there, there's been rumblings and talks about, like, how they were, now that Black Panther was, um, you know, successful, now let's really spearhead this Shang-Chi project. Yeah. You know, on its face value, you go, that's fantastic. But if you flip it the other way, so you re- you needed a validation in order mm-hmm. for you to pull the trigger on this other thing. So you could look at it any which way. But the great thing is that we are moving forward, right? It's much like these characters, not to bring it back to the, sh- to the movie, is that you make progress. You take one step forward, but you get knocked down to. Yeah. But you got to keep pushing. You got to keep moving. You got you to gotta, you gotta keep growing. Yeah. So... I, I, it's, 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 I, I agree with Ron, and, and yes, there is more opportunities, there's more avenues to tell stories, but representation is one thing, and diversity is another, but 
what quality are those roles, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're just looking at numbers and say, oh, the percentage of is, is like 30% people of color, great. But what is the, what does it represent? What are they doing? What are their jobs? And that yeah. goes not only in front of camera, but behind camera, you know? Most of those people could be just PAs, but the, they could flout the numbers and be like, oh, look at this, we were really diverse. But they're not in real position for, for any movement or power or to really voice their opinion. Yeah. Um, so I, I, th I think, again, it's, 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 it goes back to the first question you asked about, like, you know, how does it feel to be a filmmaker and then seeing, you know, Bao and the producers put this together, man, they survived. And yeah. there's so many other filmmakers who didn't survive. Yeah. They, yeah. that they had to um, find other ways to make it work. I mean, can you imagine all the stories that could have been told? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know, I'm really, I'm really passionate about this because it's- Yeah, of course. And, yeah. and that's the thing because it's disheartening because still, yes, it looks like it's, you know, we're in a positive time, but you know, if the studio heads are still the same, you know, made up of the same people and then the people in the casting rooms behind the scenes needs to needs to change a bit a bit more as well that's, that's just that, how i see it is that that's agree exactly with that, I was going. yeah that's exactly where i was going i'm not encouraged i don't see change i see changing in people and those it's that one person that says the black messiah they 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 shot the hell out of that oscar mm -hmm. award-winning film nobody wanted to put nothing in it one girl at the warner brothers who had vision who happened to be black was like, mm. yeah, no, we're gonna do it. And then look, mm -hmm. it's like, mm. so what I'm excited about is this world, hence the election, is a melting pot. Mm -hmm. It is a bunch of different kinds of people. That's where I feel the shift. Different people in different offices who can say yes and no to different things. Mm. And if you don't understand the material or you don't understand that community or you haven't ever ever went to that community, you're never going to understand the possibilities. Mm. But if you, you get the one person whose job was to be, whose dream is to be vice president of a studio, and that person happens to be different, then different stories will be told. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. Where I'm seeing the change is like in the rooms when I go in, it's like all kinds of people. Mm -hmm. And that makes me feel hella more comfortable being me you know yeah. they used to be not that way it was strictly 90 10 and like i'm a little nervous like how much black do they want how much black is too much how much is too edgy is the words uh, like how safe should i play this like and now it's just like how real can i be like mm. someone in this room knows it and yeah. knows the story and knows yeah. it really you know what i mean so this is what bow is he is the he is just a representation of like what you build when you deny. When you deny people, they get strong. And those people say no to you then. And then they just hold. And then that story lives anyway. And then you don't get to be a part of its huge success. Yeah. Like, yeah. So they're the ones so, who missed out. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. I, I'm excited about people. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing the change in people and i think this film is coming at the right time when we can mm. really start to unite instead of focusing on that division Abbott, you better give up was the first time you saw this movie when it was when it was finished was online because it got its premiere at the fantasia film festival is that right that must have been a strange yeah. was that a yeah. strange experience <laughs> 
Hey, not getting there. the glitzy. You didn't get the glitzy red carpet deal. <laughs> I was very disappointed. Yeah, that we didn't get to. Well, because you know we worked so hard on it, and yeah. one of the things that you want to do is celebrate the wins, right? Because yeah. God knows we know we celebrate and wallow in the losses. Yeah. But in this instance, you know, we're premiering, and yeah, it was it was strange. It was really strange to not see Mikhail in person and not see Ron in person. And give him hugs and be like, "Yo, look." Look at what we, what we, you know, we were involved in, and we can be proud of. Um, but yeah. yeah, it was a, it was a strange feeling. To say yeah. yeah, yeah. But look at what it's turned out to be. Yeah. So now we get that experience, and mm-hmm. I was on pins and needles because I wanted to see it. And now we double back. I mean, God is great. And now we double back and we get the other experience. Like, mm. We gonna be in a the theater, and I'm gonna be with my dogs. And oh I'm, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. good. Like, I'm good. Now, let's see what happens. Not let, let's see. I'm. It's just timing, man. Timing is crazy. And um, I was really happy. To, I was really happy to see it live. I mean, with each step, I'm nervous. Like, what is it really going to yeah. show? Are I, we going to get in Fantasia? Are we actually going to view it? So, like, each one was a little... Yeah, yeah. That's the danger of sort of indie filmmaking in a way is that, you know, getting the movie done, not that that's the easy part, obviously that's challenging, but then you've got to get the movie sold and, you know, in front of eyes. You must all, you know, have experience and can can speak to that. You know, you must be over the moon that, you know, you're now in this situation where, you know, this movie's going to land in theatres next week. I mean, it's it's incredible. Yeah, Yeah, it's exciting. That's that's exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, even when I saw it on Fantasia, I was actually really, really excited just to see everyone's work and, and, and you know, hard work. And, and, and it was so fun to watch. Uh, in fact, the people, my, our friends that did support it, when they came back and told me, oh, my God, they look like that's when I missed the theater experience. That, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. It could have been great because it would have been packed house. It would have been, you know, just just, you know, sharing in the laughter. But but now maybe we can get that. It might be, might be some social distance limitations, but but you know, hey, I'll take it. We'll take yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see it in a in a theater. Yeah. That would be that would be amazing. You've all been acting. You've been working in this game now for you know decades. You know, long distinguished careers. People who are entering this industry now. What sort of bit of advice would you would you be giving them? Let's go around the room. Ron, what's your what's your thoughts? Keep working on your craft. Do not be afraid of rejection. There's going to be people telling you from because from their own insecurities, own stuff that, hey, man, you know, I don't know, man. Are you sure you want to do that? Work on the craft. The harder you work on the craft, you know, feed that passion, feed that love, but work on the craft. Very good. Elaine? To everything that Ron said, um, yeah. and uh, the one thing I'd like to add is to know that you belong. Um, you know, there. that's the biggest thing is that Confidence is a big part of this industry, and the big part of your success is understanding that you belong. I certainly have trouble sometimes in terms of self-doubt, but we all go through that. And if I can give any advice or at least some kind of insight to some of the things that we all go through, which is that you belong and to also take risks, you know, because it might flop, but when it moves and it works, Man, it's a massive game. So always, always, always try and, you know, like like Ron said, be in class, work at it, but definitely feel like you belong and and, uh, and take risks. 
Great. I got one. I just got one small thing to add to that. Yeah. You're enough. Mm. You ain't got to be nobody else. Know who you are and know you're enough. Big choices come because you're comfortable in who you are and mm. they're not big to you. They're your life choices. People get in these rooms, they try to become what they want. They don't know what they want. Mm. You're enough. Like, you give them everything you are, you're enough. Know that. Very good. Very good. This has been a blast. Really nice to uh, to chat to you all. And listen, best of luck with the with the movie. It's taken ten Thank years you, to get to this stage. Unbelievable. But uh, you know, I absolutely loved it. So uh, yeah, congratulations to all of you. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, brother. My man. Get some sleep. Yeah. <laughs> There we are then. I do hope that that was okay and you enjoyed listening to that. Not the usual slick production you might you might expect from the Kung Fu Movie Guide, but there we go. I still very much enjoyed that call and chatting to the cast of The Paper Tigers. So you were just listening to Arlene Ui, Ron Yuen and Mikhail Shannon Jenkins. I will be sure to put all of their social media details in the description of this episode. You can watch them all in The Paper Tigers, which is released in cinemas and on digital in Canada and the USA on the 7th of May. That's this Friday, courtesy of Walgo USA. Head to walgousa.com for more information about the film and to buy your tickets. You can also find out more about the Paper Tigers on social media. There are accounts that have been set up on Twitter and Instagram under the name at underscore the Paper Tigers and also on Facebook. Simply head over to the website facebook.com forward slash the Paper Tigers movie. So a huge thank you to Tran Guok Bao and to Arlene, Ron and Mikhail. Also a massive thank you to the team at MPRM. So that's Katie, Joe, Ash, Karen Tranwood and Kim Gutierrez. Also a huge thank you, of course, to you, the loyal Foo follower who has listened to our Paper Tigers special all the way to the very end. Thank you so much for doing so. I will be back with another brand new episode from our sixth season of podcasts in two weeks' time. In the meantime, please do stay safe, stay well, and take care. I will speak to you all again very soon on the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.